to bring you insights of successful women leaders. I'm your host, Sherry Hilton. And whether you're a working professional looking to level up, an aspiring entrepreneur, or simply curious about the stories of women who are making a difference, this podcast is for you. Our guests come from diverse backgrounds and industries, but they all share one thing in common. They've overcome challenges and achieved success through hard work, determination, and a willingness to take risks. They will tell their personal journeys, the lessons they've learned along the way, and the wisdom they've gained. Join me each week as we dive into the experiences and perspectives of extraordinary women and discover the inspiration and motivation you need to achieve your own goals. So without further ado, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Wisdom of Women. Today, my guest, Jenny Saraswati, is a CEO and founder of Jenny Media. She's originally from Australia and Sri Lanka, but now lives in New York. So that is a hike and a different culture, I know. Um, But welcome to our guest, Jenny. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, 20 points for saying both my names correctly. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. Thanks for that. Um, So you are in media and production, but you haven't always been in media and production. How did you get into being the founder of the Ginny Media? Well, Ginny Media was completely an accident, Sherry. Um, I didn't plan on being a podcast producer when I was studying or, you know, when you're a kid and you're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, podcast never existed when I was four, so I didn't have that on my radar. I wanted to be a firefighter. Thank God I'm not because I think I would be terrible at climbing stairs or like lifting things. Um, so I think I talking I'm okay at, but that part not so good at. Um, how did I get here? It's been a journey, but I guess to sum it up, Sherry, and we can go into the details of it. I started a business before Ginny Media, which was kind of like my uh, business degree in what not to do in business. Um, you know, I didn't have the right team. I didn't have the right vision. I didn't have the right resources to support me, but I did learn a hell of a lot in terms of what's the most valuable asset when it comes to a business or what are the most valuable cornerstones that you need to have when, when building a foundation of a business. So, you know, Ginny Media kind of came purely by accident. Um, and the accidents came when I became a radio host in, in Melbourne, Australia, I had an FM radio show for 10 years on and off. And I, I had a podcast on top of that. And from there, just people just kept asking me, hey, how do you do podcasts? How do you present a show? And then lo and behold, 10, 15 years later, Ginny Media was born. So this is why we're here. And this is why we're having this conversation. This is great. So, you know, a lot of time it's it's those failures and the lessons, the hard lessons we learned that yeah. get us to where we are today. And we look back and we go, we wouldn't be where we are today or know what we know with that knowledge without having had that failure. What were some of those lessons? The first lesson I learned when it came to, so I had a, just to go give you some context, Sherry. So I had an event production company. So it wasn't media production. I was producing something. It was events and I was terrible at it. So when I mean terrible, and, and and maybe I should give myself some grace in certain areas, but what we essentially did was we ran like certain parties or events for LGBT, um, the LGBT community. So it would be like a night called Bling or a night called Majesty. It was just a night out. 
everybody should have a good time. Sometimes we'd hire a, hire a performer. Like we had one of the ex Pussycat Dolls sing at one of those events. We had um, two amazing photographers and celebrities come down from LA for this event. So it was Melbourne, Australia. Like when you have people from America come, everyone's like, wow, this is so exciting. <laughs> but the first thing I learned, Sherry, about running an event production company is I, I guess the first lesson I learned was don't do something to please or seek someone else's approval. That's the first thing I learned because the approval I was seeking was, and, and I guess there are there are evolutions and, and sheddings of this as I as I get older and become more aware of boundaries and and who I am and the awareness around that. But the first thing I learned was I was running that business because I wanted approval from my family. Like I wasn't the girl that was going to be the doctor, the lawyer, the engineer, as you know, a typical brown girl is expected to be, especially when the parents are like, hey, we moved you to another country. Here's education and resources. We expect life to be better for you. Um, that's why we we moved. And that kind of guilt hangs over your head. But I think that's the first reason why I started that business, which is not, again, a really solid foundation to build any business on, you know, seeking to do it for someone else's approval. It purely means that you're thinking or you're putting and caring what other people think before what you think of yourself. And that, for anything, isn't the best start. The second thing was uh, the vision I had wasn't this service-based vision. It wasn't to make an impact. It wasn't to solve a problem. The, the only intention I had was to make money. And again, that's not a reason to start a business, right? Money, profit is a result, but the foundation, the vision, the problems you solve, where you actually serve and, and meet and add value to a customer's life, that's where the business is built on. Like you get your sustainability out of that. You get your customer cycle. So that was the second thing. And the third thing was I hired friends who I was really close to and I was scared of speaking up to. So I had a terrible team. <laughs> so yeah. I learned three big things. Like don't hire close family and friends unless you have boundaries, right? <laughs> you know, have a proper vision for your business and a proper intention as to how you're going to bring value to people's life. And the third thing was don't do it for other people's approval. So that was yeah. a Harvard business degree for me, Sherry. <laughs> and, and, you know, it sometimes it takes those lessons to learn that. A lot of young adults go to college to be that doctor or their lawyer or what have you because it's what's expected from their family or yeah. what's ex what they think they're supposed to be doing. I mean, I have two daughters, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. I tell them all the time, I'm good if you don't want to go to college. I'm good if you want to go to college. I'm good with whatever you study in college. It's it's not my career. Like I, I've already done the college piece. But a lot of young adults think that that's the path they have to take mm. because their parents didn't get the opportunity or that's exactly. what's expected of them or that's what's part of their family history. You know, my doctor, my dad was a doctor. I'm supposed to be a doctor. But the, coming out of it, you end up with college debt and you end up not happy because it wasn't your passion. Mm-hmm. You just mm -hmm. happened to go about it and open a business and you still had the failed business debt because of it, but it wasn't the college debt, which <laughs> I, honestly, I think probably is more beneficial, right? Because at least you you learned yeah. a whole lot of lessons out of it and you got great yeah. business experience. I d and that's the way I look at it too, because it was, I, I just finished college myself. So yeah, I had the college debt. Um, 
Sherry that was going on. And I started a full-time <laughs> job. So this, the event business was a side hustle. So I was kind of going back into college, but in a different way. But to your point, I look at these losses in life. And this was, I guess, the overall teaching from those three failures is that Failures, and Oprah said this as well, rejection, failure, it's a teaching, it's a redirection. And I truly do believe that. Like, had it not been for that money investment, that time investment, taking the time to actually reflect and be like, okay, what actually worked with this business? What didn't? Unfortunately, the the, the list of what didn't was substantially longer than what did. But however, I could look at that and be like, hey, now I know exactly what not to do. And that is just as powerful as knowing what to do um, yeah. because you now have a parameter or you now have some guideposts as to I'm not going there. And that's a boundary that you set for yourself. So I, I agree. I think we've got to look look back at some of our failures and look at that as, okay, what's the investment that's actually come out of this for me? Yeah. And you find it. And so then that from there, you went into Jenny Media and started with podcasting or was there something in the middle? So what was in the middle was Ginny trying to figure out what my purpose was or what I wanted to do. So the one thing I love doing was I love having conversations with people. I love meeting different people from all around the world, being from several different countries myself. Um, you know, I, I'm curious. I'm, I'm a curious soul. So the conversational part for me came quite easy when I was, especially in my 20s. When I had the radio show, I got to meet some really, really cool people, right? And I, we, we hosted a, a morning show, so we got to meet some pretty cool people who had books out, TV shows. So I saw, I thought to myself, okay, you're enjoying this media piece or you're enjoying this, enjoying this radio piece. And I still didn't know how to monetize it, right? Because I was doing that voluntarily, even though I was building up quite a bit of equity in terms of network, like publicists, managers, people that some of my best friends who are now in New York, I met through radio, right? And I think for me, like I just trusted, okay, there's something that's going to come of this. Just keep doing it because I loved it. Even though I wasn't getting paid for it, I truly loved it. So I kept editing the podcast. I'd pop them up on iTunes at the time, now called Apple Podcasts, of course. And I just kept doing that over and over as I was working out my career or my day jobs, right? And then eventually, as I mentioned before, like when the podcast started coming out, I noticed that there was a significant amount of attention going to the podcast feed as opposed to the live FM show. I'm like, this is interesting. That means that consumer attention's changing because when TV came out, right, and when I was growing up, I don't know if you had this experience too, Sherry, but Full House was my favorite show when I was yes. like six or seven, right? Yes. It was on Mondays at 7.30 <laughs> and if I missed it, if like, you know, my mom had a dinner with my auntie and I had to be there and they didn't have a TV, I'd miss it. And that's it. I can't see that episode until it comes out on VHS. That's it, Correct. right? But then when TiVo started, we had the on-demand TV, which gave the, the viewer full autonomy. And podcasting slowly became that for radio. It was like on-demand radio. And then not only did it become a, a vehicle to give listeners autonomy, but it also opened up a metropolitan FM market to the world. So whatever content that you were you know, streaming in Melbourne, Australia, now LA, New York, Iran, London, Germany, they all had access to it. So I thought, oh, I see where this is going now. And now what podcasting has become is you can have a show about just stuff or you can have a show about socks. What's the best socks to wear in this particular climate? Like seriously, there's a, there's a podcast yeah. about everything. So I think for me, I noticed, okay, I see where attention's going now and I see how podcasting is going to grow and I see how this facilitates 
customers and consumers and builds audiences. So that's when I started my own podcast away independent from the radio station I worked at. And from there, that's when I had clients or potential clients come up to me saying, hey, can you show me what you do? Because something's working. Um, the podcast got nominated for a couple of awards in Australia. So it was getting attention, um, which wasn't my intention starting. And I was like, hey, this seems like a cool space to be in. Because again, I really loved what I was doing. And that's how Ginny Media started, Sherry. I had five clients. Most of them were based in New York. A couple of them were based in Australia. But when I moved over, that's when I started building Ginny Media. Those five clients started to multiply month after month. So that's what happened. Purely so accidental. You started it completely out of, I'm in radio. I love having conversation. Yeah. Let me go see what this is like because it's something new and a way some, someone consumes entertainment and information. Exactly. And it's those conversations that fueled and, and gave you that passion project. Like I like to say, 100%. it's great yeah. for, for women to have a passion project. Yeah. 100%. Because it's, it was. Yeah. That, that's, it gives somebody, I don't want to say life, right? But if you consistently have your day and it's work and kids and home mm -hmm. and there's nothing that's fueling that passion. And a, a lot of women realize it, I guess, when you hit midlife and we, we have kids we've been raising and a husband in the house or yeah. you know a family that you're taking care of. And then all of a sudden you stop and you pause and you go, where's me? Exactly. And it's that that passion that sometimes you go out and seek that doesn't necessarily pay, but it's something you're interested in. And that's when you went in that direction, which was part of your point from your failed businesses, yeah. you went for it for the money. This time you went for it because it was something that made you happy. 100%. And that's the point I was going to bring up as well, because yeah, I went for the money and I started it because I wanted approval. But this time I'm like, no. And literally, like you articulated that really well for me there, Sherry, like the Ginny show, the first few episodes were about me trying to figure out where's me in this world? Like, where do I fit? Like there's been these labels and, you know, situations and, and I guess expectations placed on me, but where do I fit in all of this? So when I started The Ginny Show, it literally was a storytelling podcast. I was like, this is how I grew up and this is how ridiculous my family can be sometimes. Um, and that, you know, connected with people in some way because there is an element in the world where, like, you know, there's certain ridiculous things that happen amongst families. I mean, think of Thanksgiving or that holiday period. Everyone comes back in January, like, I've got 10 stories for you, Ginny, for The Ginny <laughs> Show. But, like, things like that, I think, where I started The Ginny Show, it purely was, hey, I want to figure out, I want to, one, have that passion project, like you said, find me amongst it. And I really did love what I was doing. So I wasn't doing it for approval or I wasn't doing it for money. It was two totally different expectations. Do you think that's where the younger generation, what is it? The millennial, the Gen X, a millennial, mm -hmm. um, or even now, even younger, um, yeah. pick up YouTube and TikTok and start their creative avenue in that direction. And then all of a sudden, you know, like Charlie on TikTok, all yeah. of a sudden find themselves in the middle of, you know, they started it because it was fun and something yeah. to do. And then now they've got affiliate contracts and sponsorships and views and likes and 
So it turned into that piece. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what, I mean, I, I don't think I'm as successful as Charlie from TikTok, probably because I don't know who Charlie from TikTok is and I'm assuming they're very, very successful. But um, I think for me, exactly like, and it starts with that passion, that joy that fuels, you know, what you're actually creating, because why start something that's a passion project if it's going to become a burden on you, right? That's the reason why entrepreneurs create businesses. They want to do things day in, day out that they love. They want to feel the time that they have every day with something that brings them joy, purpose, love, um, excitement. So yeah, to your point, you, you start something you trust and you, because it does take a lot of trust to stick at it, like to do things. It may seem monotonous, monotonous but like to create that excellence, it, it takes a daily habit or to create that kind of success, the continuation, the commitment to it. And consistency is hard. It really is because it is mundane getting up and doing the same thing every day. But if you have that joy next to it, that's completely changes the the experience of the whole thing. How do you keep it in the realm of passion and joy? And it is it are those the boundaries that you've set for yourself and for the business? Like how does it yeah. maintain that? this long because you've had Jenny Media for several years. Yeah. For Jenny Media and even like any kind of passion project I've taken even right now, I really have learned and this is from being that person that grew out of that guilt of saying yes to everything, right? Because if you're saying yes to everything, what are you actually focusing on? Are you focusing on what brings you joy or are you drawing attention to what the next shiny object in the room? And I've learned that sometimes your focus is comes from when you say no to things, right? It's success also um, is drawn from that. In fact, Sherry, I'm going to read you a quote that I read today. This was um, super, um, super uh, auspicious that you said this. The obvious way to buy back your time is to pay someone to do it for you. Pay the mechanic to change your oil or dry clean at a pressure suit. The less obvious way to buy back your time is to say no. Passing on a promotion might buy you more time with family. Declining the dinner invite might pay for time you need to exercise. We buy back our time not only with the money we spend, but also with the opportunities we decline. The more clearly you know how you want to spend your days, the easier it is to become to say no to the request that will steal your hours. That's why boundaries are important. Like I love that. What is important to you? How do you want to invest your time? Because saying yes to everything means you're going to be saying no to something else. So I've learned to say no to things that don't feel exciting, joyful. Even today, literally, I text one of my, my creative partners and I said, this project doesn't feel as exciting for me, but meditating on it, this one actually does. So it does take that investment of time to pause and think, what are we actually doing here? And actually to lean into that. And it's not comfortable talking to this my, my creative partner because I love her and I don't want to let her down. But yeah. like I had to say, this project doesn't feel good to me. This one does. And I feel if we really focus on it, we can really create something here. Um, so that's where boundaries and also that level of wanting to have that awareness about yourself really comes in. So I guess that was a long way of answering your yeah. question, Sherry. No, it that, answered it. And yeah. I love the quote. <laughs> Because I think yeah. it's a powerful way to look at things. Yeah. And when you mention being aware, the awareness, and telling your creative director, I don't think this one is going to work because it doesn't speak yeah. to me. 
but this one does. Sometimes that takes, I don't know what the word is, guts. Yeah. In yeah. order to be honest, one, and two, be silent enough sometimes to be aware of how you feel. Because it, yeah. I think sometimes we just go about our day and we say yes to things because either that's what's expected or that's what's come along. So, yeah, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, it came in my path, so that must be what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. But if you take two steps back and you pause and sometimes think about it and be aware, just because it crossed your path doesn't mean it you're supposed to be doing that. Exactly. And I, I think that's you've just summed that up uh, so beautifully too, because, because yeah, it could be presented to you in a certain way and it does take us to be like, no, but the other side of that is the people pleasing scenario, right? If I were to say, yes, I know how that's going to go down. I know when we're doing this in June, I'm going to be exhausted. I'm going to be cranky, which means I'm showing up very poorly in other parts of my life. I know my fiance is not going to be happy with me. I know the cats are going to be pretty mad at me. Um, my family and my friends are going to be like, yo, what's wrong with you? You haven't spoken to us. There are certain, and I think I know how this goes because I sometimes, as I like sometimes with life, you know, people talk about balance and you know, it's such a buzzword with entrepreneurship. I don't believe in balance when it comes to work and life. I believe in harmony. And I think harmony is derived from what, where your attention needs to be or where your focus needs to be in that moment of time. There may be times in your life, as it was for me last year, where there was three months where my personal life, life was lifing, like all good things, right? <laughs> I got engaged. My friends were coming to visit me from Australia. I was really happy. But when my focus is so full of my personal life, my business does need to kind of, I can't be there 24 seven, not that I ever am, but like, I can't be there at the mental capacity that I am when things aren't happening in my life in that way. But I have put in the systems and processes in place where things don't fall apart when that happens. But I think also that is a very key part as well when it comes to to knowing about the people pleasing thing too. Like, and boundaries, again, it comes up, it's that awareness and boundaries is this constant kind of refinement and process of, of being more aware of where you are at energetically, like how you're feeling. And the other part is, okay, what are the boundaries in place? Because I know, have I said, if I say yes to things that I don't feel completely at peace with, I'm going to get resentful. And that's going to be something that builds up. And that's not healthy for me or the person that I'm resentful of. It could be avoided. Yeah. Has there ever been a time, like when your creative directive came to you and, and you said, no, that's not the one I want to work on. This is the one I want to work on. And it may not have been the opportunity that had the shiny object, but you mm -hmm. saw it as a potential. And again, it wasn't the one that reflected the money, but it mm -hmm. reflected the excitement mm -hmm. or the fulfilling aspect of it. And you went in that direction and it proved that you were on the right track. Meaning that I've been, I said no, and then something. Yeah, meaning sorry, that said, you went there and you were like, it's turned out better than I could have ever imagined. And thank <laughs> goodness we didn't do that other one. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this particular, we, we've gone into, we've gone into several projects and not, not just my creative partner on this particular project, but even my team. I'm like, oh, thank God we went this route with this show because it has turned. And when you say yes, and you kind of, if it's yes from a place of, I'm not sure, but this feels okay-ish because sometimes being half okay with a situation is permission enough 
there could be something else going on or could be blocked about something else. Um, but yeah, there has been. And I think the really cool thing about that is it's also the awareness that even though it might feel good, there might get to a point where you need to refine things to be like, actually, this doesn't feel good anymore. And then we've got to give our permission, we've got to give ourselves permission to be like, that's okay too. I can actually opt out now. Um, I think sometimes there's this guilt that we have, especially in women, I see this, that we have this guilt about, you know, people pleasing, not setting boundaries, going along with things. And when things get bad, we still stick around because we we feel guilty. It's like, oh, I feel bad. Okay, I get it. But things also change and evolve. And we forget that we have that option to be like, I don't have to subscribe to this anymore. You hit yeah. unsubscribe. That's what you do. Don't do that to wedding invitations, though. Someone, If someone messaged me <laughs> saying, can I unsubscribe to your wedding and I'll make it to the next one, I'll be like, that's the only reason where it's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else, you can't unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah, I read a – talk about quotes. I read a quote today that, you know, today is the start of a new chapter. Yeah. Right. And so every day we wake up, we have the choice and the options to – do what we want. We can change the exactly. day. We can change careers. We can change where we live. Like there's so much, so many choices out there. I think yeah. going back to your quote is the problem is that sometimes, especially with internet and social media, we're, we're bombarded with options. Exactly. Exactly. And it's what do you do? What practices do you put in place that could help other women understand and learn? how to slow down all those other options or focus and be still um, to yeah. hear and be aware. What what are some practices that you might implement? Is it your morning routine? Is it an evening routine? Is it something that you put in before big decisions are made? Mm -hmm. I think that process, it's personal for everybody. And I, and I like that question that you asked, Sherry, because it does require a practice of some sort. And by practice, meaning you've got to continually practice it, right? And morning routines, I was obsessed with morning routines before 2020. Like I had like a 15-step morning routine. It was so rigid and regimented. Then, of course, 2020 happened and we know nothing was rigid <laughs> or regimented or everything <laughs> fell on its head. But now, like I've gone from this, I've learned from different, you know, teachers and entrepreneurs what morning routines should look like. and morning routines don't need to look like anything other than what works for you. Like it doesn't need to be 15 steps. It needs to be, okay, what are the three most important things to me in the morning? <laughs> one is my body. One is my um, nutrition. And the other thing is my coffee. <laughs> That's the three <laughs> things, right? And then my mind maybe on the fourth thing. But um, so I, I've shortened my 10 step down to like literally three. So that, that routine for me just grounds me into my day. And that works for me. Like I work out, I have a trainer that keeps me accountable. I, I do 50 push-ups if I miss a session or whatever. That, But that I need my body for my mind. I notice when I don't work out energetically the toll it has on me. And, and mentally I'm, I'm more exhausted and I can't hold as much energy as I need to. Um, but the other thing that you talked about was rituals in place. Um, you mentioned like what should people do, especially with social media. I feel one of the mistakes that I made as an entrepreneur is I was constantly consuming content from different business leaders. A lot of them were male. And this is not me being, this is just an observation. A lot of them were male. They have their way and I respect that. But they're telling me 15 different things to do in different ways. And I found myself constantly 
criticizing myself because I wasn't doing things the way that they were doing it. And then I thought to myself, okay, what's actually going on here, Jenny? What's this bringing up for you? And I found myself that the more I consumed, the more I compared myself to everybody else. And that brought me very quickly to a place of unhappiness. I'm like, why are you so unhappy? Because you're not like getting up at 4.43 a.m. That sounds horrible. I don't want to do that. You get up at 4.43 a.m. It works for you. And that's how you've built your life. You know, namaste to you. But I think for me, it was just, I, I, that's the first thing I noticed that I was very quickly becoming miserable because I was comparing myself to other six, seven figure entrepreneurs. The second thing I noticed was that in that comparison, I'm like, Ginny, why are you consuming so many different platforms and people and personalities and influences? So I made a commitment to myself this year. I'm only going to follow two people for as long as I feel I need to. And those two people, uh, one male, one female, so it's Marie Folio and Stephen Bartlett, I've been following them, and they have two very different styles of entrepreneurship that really resonate with me. And the other thing is, one thing I'm learning is we can consume, but we need to allow some time for that knowledge to actually integrate. And that's the part I find is missing nowadays because we're just bombarded with information, but actually sit with it ask questions about it, get curious. How does that integrate into your life? That is the part. So whether that be five minutes, whether that be like an hour that you allocate on a Friday, whatever works for you, allow that time for that integration because otherwise you're just consuming and you're not actually learning and doing. So that would be the one. I love that. I love that advice because I find myself listening to podcasts and, you know, once one's done, the next one starts. Like it's on exactly. a constant loop. And before yeah. I know it, I've listened to, you know, four or five podcasts, you know, in the yeah. middle of cleaning the house or doing the dishes, you know, I've got. And and then I think back, I'm like, man, I've just spent three hours listening to podcasts. And yes, I've learned, but I, I, I didn't jot down notes. You know, I mm. might have screenshotted or looked in the details to look for a book. Yeah. Um, but I didn't take the time to sit with that knowledge. Yeah. And you being yeah. in media, like that's a great suggestion and tool that I think we can all put in place and put to practice. Yeah. And I, I love your point of listening to leaders that were all men mm. and how you got to a point where you were like, this doesn't resonate. Yeah. Because it do you think it's because there's just not enough women that are in those positions creating the content and being recognized or the women, you know, we all have that imposter syndrome and the inner critics that we deal with and don't take the time um to be creative in those aspects. I think the last year or two, we've seen a shift of women coming out and and having platforms and having a voice and building new seats at different tables. And Mm -hmm. so I I think we're seeing a shift. Yeah. um, But there hasn't been as many in the past. I think it's a combination. I think yes to both. And I think the other part of it is, Sherry, for so – many years since the workforce existed, we have been doing things one way and we've been taught things one way. 
and generally what's been taught to us and what's been shown to us has been come up with by a man. And again, that's not me. I'm just observing and yeah. saying what I've experienced because, you know, back even, you know, my grandmother's generation, men were at work, women were at home looking after children. That was the way society was back then or and how we've evolved to where we are now. But back then, that's why men were making decisions about how business runs and how motivation is. And obviously, when men teach you, oh, this is your graph of productivity and it looks like this. And as a woman, my day does not look like this, nor has my trajectory ever looked like that. It's If you really zoom in, it's like up and down and squiggles yeah. and all over the place, right? But yes, gradually, if I zoom out, it is like that. But that's not the way it's been taught to me, right? It's been taught like you should be like on this steady incline. I'm like, where is this incline and where does it exist? <laughs> so I think it's this, the the new generation, like you said, over the last couple of years, there has been more women coming out creating content. Um, which is so helpful and so valuable to be shown another way of doing things. And that's the point. Like there are other ways of doing things. It doesn't need to be just one way in what we've been taught. And 2020 taught, taught us that very, very aggressively. Like there is another way of doing things and another way of working. So I think to your point, I think those two factors, you know, imposter syndrome, and I think the lack of access definitely, but now we're seeing this generation of, internet creators because the internet doesn't discriminate the yeah. internet doesn't care like the internet will be like you've got a platform you've got a message sometimes it doesn't work to everybody's you know everybody's it works a detriment sometimes when it comes to misinformation and everything but in terms of documenting people's lives and ways of running businesses it's super valuable um, and I think that's the part where I'm really curious to see how many more women come out creating content and, and what works for them. But it is that way of like, let's see other content creators. Let's see how other women do it so we can learn from them. Because yeah. the first time in history, you know, we are, as women, we have access to the big three. Like we have access to a thriving career, thriving relationships and thriving health you know, 50 or 100 years ago, you know, my grandmother didn't have access to a thriving career. She only, her career was being a mum and Correct. raising my my, my, my mum and her siblings. And my mum too, like kids played a big part in how she thought about her career. But we're at an age now where we can actually have a career and have the other two things that, you know, our parents and grandparents may not have had. Yeah. I love knowing that my girls get to grow up in a world where they yeah. can see women as leaders and women CEOs and women who can do what they one day might want to do so they can look exactly. and see it is possible. A hundred percent. And that's that's the thing, Sherry, like it's possible to be this. And people are like, oh, what does it mean when someone gets nominated for this position or when someone becomes CEO? It's like someone in the world will see we're like, oh, I belong in this world too, and I can be that too. Otherwise, we're not shown or taught or inspired to do that. There's no connection point there. So that's so true. And I'm sure, you know, and, and I'm very, I'm I'm happy for your girls too. And the fact that you're such an open-minded mother to be like, do what you want in college. If you want to go to college, I love you either way. That's super important for their self-esteem. Yeah. I just want them to yeah. be happy. You know, isn't that yeah. what we all want? We all just exactly right. We all just want yeah. some happiness in our lives. There's way too much stress and yeah. and whatnot going on in the world. Like you gotta find the moments of happiness. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what have you noticed a shift in your media company when it comes to females coming in with 
podcasts and doing radio shows and in the media itself? Have there been has there been a shift of more women lately? Definitely. In my podcast mastermind group that I run, or even a podcast accelerator business that I run with with my co-founder, 95% of the participants are all women. And wow. it's fantastic. Because even it's all women. And I'm like, great. So people like there's now this wave of women who feel inspired to have a podcast to create media. So I have seen a shift. I don't think we're where we I would like it we us to be. I don't think we're at the level of where we are having as much content as men. However, where there's there's a lot of growth that I've definitely seen in terms of clientele. And it's because again, the pioneering, right? It takes a few women to lead the pack and then others will follow. And that's what I'm seeing happening. And it's very exciting for me to actually witness all of that. <laughs> that is awesome. So here, ladies, you guys can do it all. And uh, you know, women are stepping out and wanting to hear their voice heard. And it, there's nothing to be afraid of, right? I, I exactly. know the first time I ever hit record on a podcast, I thought, what am I doing and what am I going to mess up? But you know what? Again, yeah. that's how you learn is you yeah. fail, you try again, you fix it for the next time and it's okay. You're, you're getting exactly. it done. Exactly. Yeah. You're getting it done and it's one foot in front of the other, right? You're getting it done. What are What are a few of the hot topics that you see coming through? Oh, so in entrepreneurship, it's how to start a business. And also the other part in uh, hot topics that I'm seeing coming through is, so it's, it's kind of three levels. The entrepreneur, the inspiring entrepreneur who wants to start, like what are the tools to start, right? Yeah. The second thing I'm seeing is, um, and I just wrote an article about this recently, decision-making fatigue. Because we're at an age now where there's, you know, in the last three to five years, leaders and CEOs have gone through, you know, so many world-changing events mm -hmm. that decisions need to be made at a rate and at a frequency and at an intensity that we haven't really seen prior to that in that shorter time span anyway. So... And then the other side of it is like the resources available to us. We have a, a bucket load of information available at our fingertips, but who do we trust, right? Because some of these sources aren't vetted. Some of these sources aren't credible, but we, who do we turn to for advice? So we're at a stage where like, I think this is where the content and thought of, uh, brand authority is and topic experts are so important because if you build that credibility, you have that consistency, you build that trust. Um, so I see like a lot of podcasts, just credibility building. That's, it's super important in whatever their expertise is. That's what content creation is for. And the third trend that I'm seeing, and this is an entrepreneurial podcast is like, what's the future going to be? What's the future of transportation? What's the future of technology? So it's kind of this multi-level discussion. And then you have the podcast that like a beautiful, like this, you, you speak to other people, you connect, you exchange stories and advice. I think that's always going to exist in some way, shape or form because people love that fly on the wall experience where they feel like they're the third person listening in or eavesdropping in on a conversation. But the three things in terms of trends, that's what I'm noticing. Um, and I think that's going to continue. Um, but I think it's going to be a battle of who can stay the most consistent as opposed to who can get the most content out. Because yeah. if you're out there for a while, ultimately you're just going to go up in search engines, you're going to build your audience. And that's why consistency is key. And yeah. it's hard, but it's key. <laughs> yeah. And and it's like that with anything, right? At the gym, you go to the gym. One yeah. day at the gym is not going to do anything. Yeah. If you're consistent exactly. at the gym, it does a lot. Same thing with exactly. eating. 
You know, you eat good one day, that's great, but you've got to be consistent with it. So with anything. Exactly. Consistency. Exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. If I were to open your phone and pull up iTunes, what's the podcast yeah. that you were playing last? Oh, let me show you. So I've got, I've got two phones because I'm a geek. I have one for work. So <laughs> for work, it, the podcasts are slightly more scandalous than my personal phone. So no, they're not scandalous at all. <laughs> so if I open up my, my work phone, here are the podcasts I listen to. The Fahrenheit podcast, that's not scandalous. That's actually a client of ours. They just launched on a couple of weeks ago. Listen Loudly, another client that launched. And then this is where you get into my, my scary side, Scamander. Have you heard yeah. of that true crime yeah. one? Uh-uh. Yeah. It's the true crime addict in me. I'm like, okay. my daughter listens to those. She likes the <laughs> yeah. crime podcast. And I'm like, yeah, but- is, it, is there something I need to know about? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the other part of me is like my personal phone. It's like on purpose with Jay Shetty, like, you know, the, the School of Greatness with uh, Lewis Howes. And then you've got, um, what is it? The, what's the other one that I had? Uh, your Money Briefing, the Wall Street Journal. Then you've got The Economist. Uh, startups in Solidos, Entrepreneista, yeah, they're, they're Hidden Brain. So it's, it's a mixed bag with me, Sherry. It's a mixed bag. Good, 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 good round out. <laughs> a few questions before we close out. Sure. What are you most proud of? Oh, great question. I am most proud of, you know, I, I, I didn't have the easiest upbringing in certain ways. Like there was the certain traumas and and I guess teachings that my parents passed down to me, obviously consciously and unconsciously, but I'm proud of the fact that I've stuck to being committed to being more aware of who I am and what my purpose is in spite of those things. Um, and it's not always pretty. It's not always the sexiest way to get through life, right? When you're in a fetal position and crying in a snot-filled way, but I'm proud that I've stuck through it, Cherry. <laughs> <laughs> What advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Oh, God. Um, I had a lot of fun when I was in my 20s. I did. Um, I would say just keep trying things to figure out what you're really good at and what you really love. And don't worry about the consequences of like, don't sorry, don't worry about what other people think. That's what I'd actually say. Don't worry yeah. about seeking other people's approval or what other people think. You're okay as you are. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Good advice. Yeah. What brings Jenny joy? A lot of things bring me joy. Coffee, for example. Um, my lovely fiance, Aaliyah, brings me joy. But I'm a total nerd. Like I love productivity books. I love journals. I was telling you this, Sherry. I love like podcasts on how do you make your time more? Like, I am a total nerd when it comes to those things. So, but it's the simple things that bring me joy, like a roof over my head and I'm warm when it's like minus eight degrees Celsius outside, <laughs> you know, um, a good episode of The Crown, um, just little yeah. things bring me joy. A conversation with my best friend who's in East Timor at the moment, like, those are the things that bring me joy. But uh, the grounding points are, you know, um, being looked after. My creature comforts are here. People I love are alive and well. They're the things that bring me joy. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jenny. How can our listeners get a hold of you, learn about some of the podcasts you help produce? Sure. Thank you so much for um, having me, Sherry. This has been great. I've loved being on the the Wisdom of Women podcast. I hope it's been uh, wisdomous. 
It's not a it word. Has. Joey. It has. Joey from Friends uh, use, use that word. But um, you can reach out to me at ginnymedia.com. Um, that's where we all check the emails there. So you will hear from me or one of my trusted team members. Um, and I'd love to hear from anybody who listens to your show, Sherry. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, everybody. Remember, boundaries are important. And follow your dreams and your passion. Until next week, we'll see you on Wisdom of Women. Thank you so much for tuning in to Wisdom of Women. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and gained some valuable insights and inspiration. How to connect with me and our guest today, as well as any links can be found in the show notes. Please share this episode with your friends. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review as it helps us reach more women like you who are seeking to learn from successful women leaders. Stay curious, stay hungry, and always push forward. We'll be back next week with another amazing guest. Until then, keep chasing your dreams, and we'll see you next time on Wisdom.